want to begin by honoring my dear husband this morning. His name is Festus Moindi, and he came over for this conference. It's such a treat for me. Uh, we've been married with Festus for the last 20 years, and 15 of those years we have spent in the front lines of cross-cultural missions together. Um, we have two teenage boys, uh, Jay, who is in college, 19, and Charlo is in high school, and he's 15, and that's us. Uh, I am so excited that Festus gets to be here. Thank you, Festus, for being here. I also wanted to mention Festus' doctorate is in ministry, and sometimes he makes me look like I know because he continues to teach me, and I've benefited a lot from that teaching. Our topic of discussion this morning is on empowering the least. Empowering the least. Um, empowering, empower, empowerment, empowered. You may have heard a lot about empowerment, and if it's not beginning to concern you, probably you'll get there soon. I pray as we look at this that God will allow our hearts to feel him and that he would lead us to respond as he would. When we think of empowerment, possibly what first comes to mind is enabling financially, giving money to someone who is in need, to help, meaning to help really, but not necessarily getting to help. God has called people like you and I to be involved in a ministry of empowerment, which he himself has designed and has invited us to that great design that may be bigger than we immediately understand. As a matter of fact, Jesus modeled empowerment for us and invites us to do likewise. Some of you may have heard me tell this story already, so bear with me one more time as I share it again. It was Christmas of 1999, and on that Christmas Eve, Something that completely changed the way I looked at street children happened to me. Festus, our boys, and I had been in Ethiopia living there as missionaries for over a year. And our focus was ministry to the poor through the local church. We were dealing with displaced people, with lepers, people in the garbage dump, destitute families, malnourished children, the sick. It really was an integrated medical ministry. But on that Christmas Eve, I had gone downtown Addis Ababa with a mission to buy bread. We were going to be hosting a vacation Bible school at our fenced compound that afternoon. And about 400 children were going to be coming from our target community and at the end of our time together of worship, we were going to share bread and tea. 
it was it was a morning that we walk into with with mist with rain a little drizzle and i was leaving about dawn and visibility was was compromised so i went downtown got bread and on my way back there was something suddenly in the middle of the road so i stopped and i looked closely and i realized it was a mother with a child and she was lame probably she came from the leper community now some roads in addis are shared by cows and donkeys children people so you never really get to know what's in front of you so as i gave this woman time to cross slowly the road I sort of looked to see where she was coming from. And that's the time I saw them. She was coming from a trash pit in this compromised poor community. And in there were children ages 5 to 7, mainly boys, going through the the trash looking for for something. Well, I'm a mother and I could just picture my two boys about the age of these children were at home uh, in a warm bed, secure and about maybe to wake up to a breakfast and and parents who could care for them. But these children they did not have much though equally loved by God and made in his image they were not even among the children that we were going to be seeing that afternoon for the christmas celebration and as i stopped there waiting for the woman to cross the road it gave them an opportunity to come over and beg from me and they pleaded they were desperate they were real children with with faces with names with stories stories of how they came from abusive homes some told of dead parents or a mother who just went begging and never never came home and children waited in vain waiting for their mother who just never came they told of hardships on the streets which had become their home some children had friends and siblings who had died especially during the rain season when it gets pretty cold in addis ababa ethiopia they lived with fear and anxiety on each passing day Now this was not the first time that I was seeing these street boys. In fact, I had seen them several times and I had passed them as troublemakers. And on this day as I waited for the woman to make her way slowly across the, the road, I had time to look. And I was disturbed. I stared and I knew I could not assume I had not seen. My heart was broken. I fought back the thought of asking them to come home with me 
especially the five to seven-year-olds, I thought having them begin living at our hair warehouse in the missions compound at least would be a great solution to the immediate need. Then I considered passing out the bread that I had just bought. And as I continued to reflect, I thought I could probably begin an orphanage, maybe several orphanages. Then I toyed around with the idea of taking pictures of these children and looking for sponsors from developed countries. You're familiar with how that works. You know of adoptions, national and international adoptions. And I wondered about that solution too. You know, all these alleviate and they serve the least of these. I battled with these great ideas for several days, and that discomfort would just not go. I was downcast that Christmas, food just lost taste, and I took time to pray, and I was asking God, what can be done? Then it became clear it was not just going to be a quick fix to the conviction that was bothering me. Neither was it going to be about me helping and me getting that sense of immediate gratification. It was going to be doing it in a way that, if you may, gives God the glory and empowers the least of these, exalting the body of Christ. It's a response whose highlights can be summarized as one that lifts up the church to become relevant and decreases my role so that Christ can increase. It helps the vulnerable to become empowered in their own communities. It was going to be something that bestows dignity to these ones, whom Jesus speaks of as his brothers, really as family. A strategy that deals with the systems to provide solutions for the affected, but also prevents others from falling into the same consequences. It was calling for a way to break the yoke. I learned God cares just as much about us helping as how we help. Or if you may, not just going, but how we preach this good news in such a way that he is exalted. It was not going to be as easy as feeding for the day or feeding for the season and sort of telling myself that I've played my part, it was going to be dealing until there is complete restoration. God was calling to a strategy that he has already modeled for us to follow, and that's the good news. It's one that was already displayed by Jesus Christ, and all we needed to do was Listen to him. 
and obey. It was going to be looking past the street children and asking us, what would Jesus do? And why does this community have street children in the first place? It's deeper than just passing out the bread or inviting the children to an orphanage or, as it were, sponsoring them. God has allowed us in the last 14 years to develop programs in seven countries in Africa to meet needs with this broader kind of approach. And that's what Life in Abundance International, the ministry I serve with, exists to do. Those responses are integrated and packaged into a program to meet multiple needs. For example, we have skill development for destitute families. But also at the same time, we have childhood education within the small churches and the slums to address the children's needs. And then we work with the AIDS patients for care and support, and it's done by trained church volunteers. Then at the same time, we have a microfinance at a level that the poor within the church and outside the church can be able to borrow and feel confident enough to pay back. Then we have the medical care piece with medical comes down at the church with referrals. And then it opens up to a place where short-term teams can come and plug into that. We have water and sanitation with lessons of hygiene and then housing for the homeless. It's serving the poor through the church and choosing to help in a way that is sustainable, and most cost-effective. One that is impactful and brings an all-rounded change. One that makes Christ the center and serves the whole person, the whole community, and the priority needs. Well, back to the children... I had seen on the street that morning, we began to pilot a response to orphans and vulnerable children that adopts this same kind of strategy, an all-rounded approach to their problem. And I would like to, to share more on that, but maybe I invite you to our booth if you could stop by. We have materials on how that has been implemented, and those can be available to you. After a time of piloting that work with the street children, beginning from the little group that we saw on the streets that morning, we went on to do a full-blown response, targeting on 300 children in one area of Addis Ababa. And then the second project started, again targeting to about the same number. For each response, we stay on for three to four years, graduating a cohort of children, some coming from off the streets into peer houses with the life skills and engaged in meaningful activities. Others are children headed 
to homes that have been arranged for them as foster homes within the church, the local church, and having foster parents. The others are children coming from destitute families that go back and forth to the streets, and it's these families getting empowered again to take a hold of a way to care for children in a sustainable way. The best is the partnering church is empowered to own this vision and takes up this ministry to continue the needed support. And they never even get to know that we left. By God's grace, these projects have been replicated in eight target areas across the countries where we work. And on average, 300 children are impacted by community. I don't want this to sound like life in abundance only deals with orphans and vulnerable children. We work with the poor in partnership with local churches through integrated medical and development programs. And I'm telling this, this story to just single out one of the needs that we got to deal with as Christ invited us and enabled us a response that has empowered thousands. You know, I can't claim any credit to this, nor can our ministry. As a matter of fact, the outcome is fully dependent on God. Ours is simply to just respond as he directs. He's the one to cause the fruit to come forth as we submit to him. I want to say it's, it's not stressful. There's no, there's no pressure. It's just a rest as we pursue his will and see it come to pass. I'm testifying to what God has done for his glory. Today, God is allowing us in this conference, wherever we turn, in the media, through contact with people, glimpses of the least of these. And Jesus is calling you and I, his own, to join in the mission he came for and continues to address. He's looking for true disciples who can take this model and run with it. He continues to invite us to serve the least of these so that they can become a people we can look and acknowledge. Really, these are a people God has blessed. That would mean the change would have to be visible both inside and outside. Was this his mission? How did Jesus do it? Matthew 25 talks about a people who Jesus refers to as the least of these my brothers. Jesus highlights some of the indicators based on the evident need this group of people manifest. He talks about hunger, 
which is a lack of nutritious food. He talks about thirst, the lack of safe drinking water. He says these people are strangers, no place to call home. Literally no place to call home. They are naked, exposed to the elements and the shame that goes with that. Recently we were visiting and working in an area in southern Sudan. If I may just talk a bit about that nakedness. And we got to visit some homes in that vast country. And all we could see were children in, in the homesteads, running from house to house. Naked children. This is something I hadn't seen for a while. And the parents were inside somewhere, and probably too ashamed to come out. We saw a few men with just loincloths. And it occurred to me once again that nakedness can actually be literal. Jesus talks about the least of these also being sick. Unhealthy practices could be bringing about that sickness, or it could be just lack of essential health services and supplies. And then he talks about prison. People who lack freedom to move about. And that may be spiritual, people who are bound and are imprisoned by the evil one. It could also be an inability due to lack, which imprisons people and completely removes the power from them to do what they would like to do. I had an opportunity a few years before we went into the mission field to work at a prison institution, which was housing women prisoners. And the stories of how those women got there and what they experienced and wished for as they served their term in the prisons made me realize, really, no wonder Jesus mentioned prisoners as the least of these. Jesus' mission, as stated in Isaiah 61, highlights some of the things he was to address. And it does seem to be addressing the very things he talks about in Matthew 25. His mission can be seen in the input or activities and can be summarized as Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted, to free the captives, to release prisoners, to comfort those who mourn, provide for those who grieve, bring beauty and gladness, address despair. The least of these are familiar with what Jesus' mission was all about. They are familiar with those things that Jesus was talking about as his vision. In fact, they are their felt priority needs. 
following these activities or inputs that Jesus would put into his mission, Isaiah 61 goes on to talk about what would be the outcome of this ministry. The result of his ministry will be the poor becoming rebuilders of ruins. Ones who restore places long devastated. People who renew places that have been the same for generations. It talks about these little ones becoming priests of the Lord. Spiritual leaders with spiritual authority. Fed and rich. Ones who receive a double portion, and that's, that's favor, multiplied favor, a favored people. <clears throat> it will be a people who will be joyous in their inheritance, no longer disgraced. Festus and I have been talking about a nation that we've been observing closely And as we have gone back and forth visiting that nation, we've been amazed at the joy people are showing in the last three months. Be it in their homes, in hospitals, on the streets, in the car across, just a joy that is amazing to us. And it came across again to us that really a nation excuse me, can be joyous. A nation can rejoice in their inheritance. Again, the mission of Jesus talks and says that there will be people we can look at and acknowledge that they are a people God has blessed. There will be evidence of change for the better. They will be clothed And not just physically, but clothed with salvation and righteousness and praise. A changed people springing up in the nations. A sign of inevitable growth. To me, that's an empowered people. Empowerment has been defined as... Increasing the spiritual, political, social, economic, all that strength of people and communities. It often involves the empowered developing confidence in their own capacities. Looking at just one segment of that definition, for example, the spiritual empowerment portion... It's saying developing confidence in our spiritual capacities. Being confident of who we are in Christ. Being aware of our gift of eternal life. Identifying our mission, our purpose in life. And knowing what we exist for. Building hope. Experiencing the presence of God daily with fulfillment. That's spiritual empowerment. Now when that comes along with confidence in the other capacities, including the economic, the social, the physical, then we can talk of a people 
who are empowered. You know, it's liberating. It's transformational. It's almost too good to be true. And I thank God it's true. And it's true because that's what Christ came for. To set the captives free. And not just in one area, but to give them total freedom. And that's what he invites us to partner with him for. It's a holistic empowerment for us who are called of God and facilitating that for the people we are called to serve. For me, it's a great design. It's a partnership with the designer himself so that this can come about. It's not by power, it's not by knowledge, it's not by learning it. It's employing our heart and allowing ourselves to submit to the leadership of Christ so that we can be disciples of the mission that he calls us to be. We can arise to a response by implementing several things that we have found to work in the areas that God has allowed us to serve. For me, it's helping without creating a dependency, which is coming alongside what they already have. The capacity is in there. It just needs to be restored back and taken to the next level. It's building confidence and dignity. And this is by doing with them, not for them. Or even worse, not by doing it on them. It's training in such a way that they can train others. Refusing to be content with just directly giving services. But saying, no, we have to empower them to be the ones to provide the services. It comes together with church-based partnerships at the church level so that it captures the spiritual aspect. It involves breaking the yoke. Aiming at complete restoration. Breaking that cycle that keeps on taking them back to the same place again. And this can be done by skill development, by education, the microloans, changing the behavior, leadership development. And it's going in there with the knowledge that we are not there for long. Going there and developing almost immediately an ability to face out. So we do not forget it's about them being restored. When we see the picture of poverty manifested by some of these aspects Jesus talks about, in the least of these, we get uncomfortable. Sometimes we get disturbed. We may not even be able to exactly figure out the feeling that we are having. All we know is that it's uncomfortable. 
And it does become uncomfortable for many, regardless of race or location. The good news is we are actually supposed to get uncomfortable. When you see this often, it's possible to begin to think, is this meant to be so? Especially in places where it's so common to see it. It's possible to think there's nothing that can be done and just think life is supposed to be so. On the other hand, if you don't see it often, it's easy to develop the attitude of it's out there somewhere in Africa, some distance place, and just get on with your life. Whatever excuse or justification we use to hold us back or to kill that uncomfortable feeling, that conviction, it's a lie. I want to say we have a responsibility. We may not be responsible for the situation the person is in unless otherwise known to us, But however, I want to boldly state we are responsible for what action we take and how we take it once we have been allowed the exposure. Jesus tells the story of a man fallen on the Jericho Road. You know it well. Three people come by. They observe and they respond in different ways. Two of them choose to pass by. I'm sure they could justify that. But one was able to respond in a way that got him involved and led to complete restoration of the injured man. We were created with a heart. The Bible refers to it as the wellspring of life. We have a conscience that is healthy. As often as we allow ourselves to feel and get in touch with that reality, we become more real. I wish some justification would hold but they only serve to make us less human, less than who God created us to be. Again, we miss an amazing fulfillment that comes once we come to terms with what God has allowed us to be convicted about and enlist to a cause that addresses that which, which makes us uncomfortable. I grew up in a situation that placed me as one of the least of these. And I came across many who were worse off than my family. It bothered me, and it still does. My consolation is the ministry of Jesus to the least of these, his brothers, 
still goes on. As I have become a part of that response through life in abundance, I have experienced a fulfillment. Thus, sometimes I liken it to what you feel after feasting on, on your best food. It's, it's a deep contentment that is beyond the physical gratification. To me, it's worth whatever cost that may be involved. It's a joy that sometimes keeps me awake at night, just too excited to fall asleep, that Jesus would invite me to be part of something that is so awesome, with such an eternal purpose. But it begins with that discomfort, that conviction, and allowing ourselves to say, yes, Lord, count me in. It's accepting a responsibility, taking that first step to the task. I have struggled with that familiar conviction many times. On many occasions, I have actually managed to get rid of it. But I thank God for times by his grace when I have taken that first step. One of that time was when he allowed me to see the children on the street in Addis Ababa. Serving the least to full restoration is the Jesus way of love. It's what manner of love he showed us. It's the full gospel that is bearing fruit today. It's what he is blessing, and it's what fulfills. It's amazing how his presence goes with us in this kind of ministry. It's allowing our hearts to be broken as he invites us to get involved, not by our own strength, but drawing from that. And him making us look, look good, really, but it's not us, it's him. There was a time in my life I knew I had been changed and my heart condition had shifted. Then he began to empower me. One of the things God asked me to do last year was to look over my journals for the last several years since high school. And he told me to give a testimony of what it has meant to walk with him and pursue him on his word. And one of the things he told me was, I want you to, not to edit it, to just write it raw. The times you've disobeyed me, the times things have not worked. Just write it as it has happened. And that for me was painful because I wanted, to, I wanted to look good. But he was saying, be real. And I put together a book that can be availed at our booth. So I'll not tell you much about how God has led me in that process after he changed my heart condition. But I want to say 
I stand before you today as a case of the least of these who has been empowered by God. And my confidence today is not based on any knowledge or education, but it's based on knowing Christ stands with me and that his word is true to the detail. That confidence is not just a confidence based on much that we could offer to him. And if we go in that confidence of the much that we think we can offer to him, we fail because we empower without really empowering. The biggest empowerment comes when that spiritual condition has shifted and the person we are ministering to has been changed inside and the outside becomes to be a fulfillment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love me, basically love me. And the second is basically love your neighbor. Then literally go and make disciples, teaching them everything I have commanded you. The greatest of these is love. That is where compassion comes from. And that's empowerment applied in the hearts of his disciples. And then him inviting us to join hands in a ministry that empowers. We are a great group represented here. There are students who may be nursing a desire to go to the mission field someday. I know there are professionals who teach others to go or have been involved in short-term teams. We have medical practitioners. We have people who have traveled the world of mission and served cross-culturally. All these categories. Jesus is seeking disciples among us. A people who will serve his way a handful of concerned people who will say the least of these will become a people who others can look at and say these are a people that we acknowledge God has changed. This is my sincere prayer this morning that we may allow ourselves to feel that his grace may be enough so that we can become real. May we acquire above all his kind of empowerment. And I pray that we will grasp that strategy of empowerment and rise to go to the nations and empower the least of these. Amen.